This is a true story. To find out what happens, what happens. when people stop being polite. Start getting. <laughs> Hey, I want to welcome everybody to another episode of The Real World. Um, I got a chance to talk about one of these topics that everybody kind of touches on. Uh, We all do it as a guy. I want to be fly just so I attract women, just so I can get that promotion at work. Um, But I got the chance to have like somebody that I thought that was really cool and that influences things and the way that we kind of visually see things. So uh, I actually wanted to give this young lady a chance to introduce herself to The Real World. Please. Hey everyone, I'm Nika Shelton, um, Nika Oshun from Privately Sampled on Instagram and Twitter. I am a DC-based fashion blogger and influencer. I'm from here, but I've been living in New York and Atlanta for the past 10 years. Okay, Um, so I'll be honest, Uh, sometimes I just search hashtags, Mm -hmm. I search fashion, uh, you happen to come up locally. I'm like, okay, I'll pay attention. I followed. Uh, so I reached out to you because I, I, I don't know if it was a story that I saw or just kind of like just a video that you had made, but I thought your story was interesting where you had kind of talked about stopping in kind of corporate America and following you and kind of like your dream. Mm-hmm. So if you can kind of, you know, explain that to people and kind of tell that story. Yeah, um, that's good to know. I didn't know that you found me from hashtags. I'm going to have to keep that up. Yeah, (laughs) those actually work. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I worked in, really quickly, I worked in corporate America for just under five years. I was in Atlanta. I was insurance brokerage. I worked in insurance brokerage. I worked for a private company and a well-known public company as an account executive. Um... It's something that I started out in college with a a sort of interest. I had a really great professor and I had a friend that kind of pushed me in that direction. As we all know, insurance is pretty recession proof. And while I was in school, the recession was just hitting around 08. So I thought that would be a good career. Obviously, I don't think a lot of people are just waking up in the morning like, I love insurance and I just have such a a huge passion for it. Um, But it was something that I just got into and did and went with. And about year three, I would say, I feel like as millennials, we have this every two and a half, three years, unless you love what you're doing, you have this like, okay, I'm tired, I'm bored, I'm ready for the next thing. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing yet, but I was hitting that. So at two and a half years, I got a big jump in like my pay and my title, and that kept me kind of happy, but I was getting kind of bored with it. So it it. kept you content. Yeah, it kept me content. Obviously, unfortunately, um, money is the driver for most people that, you know, are young and trying to make it. So I did that, and then after about four years, I was like, you know what, same thing, I'm not feeling it, I don't like it, I'm over it, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. And I had been working on something just behind the scenes, like a little hustle, and um, after two years of doing it, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it, I'm just going to jump out there, and I wasn't even making any money at the time on it. But um, I trusted myself. I'm the type of person where I'm going to work 10, 12 hours for 
you know, just to get the job done, whether I need to do it or not, whether I'm getting paid to do it or not. So I feel like if I have that within me, if that if I have that wherewithal to get something completed, then why don't I just do it for myself? I believe in myself and I trust myself. I know I can work hard. So I did it. Okay. Um. So first, what did your parents say? Yeah. Um, so at this point, it was kind of interesting because I had just... This is my second year. I got a I got a condo a couple years before. I got a, I got my condo when I was 26, and at it was about a year and a half later. My and a, a year and a half later, I decided okay, I want to quit. My mom's like, I don't think you should do this. Like I don't know how you're gonna make your mortgage. How you're gonna make your car payment? Like you know, is this the right thing? Why don't you just save up your money, keep your keep what you've got going on and then jump out there and do it. But I just knew the, the energy and what I was doing where I was, wasn't conducive to where I wanted to go. And for me, that's just, I've learned that's just so important. And that, that just sets the, that just sets the tone for my day, my week, my life deciding like, you know, is this where, is this where I need to be? Is this fulfilling me? Is this what I should be doing? Or am I just doing this as a means to an end? You know, I came to a crossroads where I was like, I'd rather sell everything I have to be happy, whether that's me living in a car, me living at my mom's house, me doing whatever I have to do. If I can wake up every day happy and and fulfilled that's what I'll do and I don't mean waking up every day happy like I'm at the, I'm at home watching tv you know what I mean wake yeah, up every day happy, happy like yeah. service giving volunteering making sure I'm making a difference feeling whole within myself okay um so how did you transition from going there to doing what you're doing now and getting into probably sampled and to you know literally just kind of embody what you wanted to do yeah, I, it took a lot of research. I mean, the first two years of me doing privately sampled, when I was working for the brokerage firm and after, I spent like 30-hour days just working, working with development teams, researching, making sure I knew what I was doing. And I think in hindsight, I maybe... I, I could have planned a little bit better. Like, it was great that I did all that on the back end, but I really... Now that I'm a little older and, and have experienced it, it's really good. I feel like it's really good just to reach out to people and know who you're talking to and what you're doing specifically. So so I kind of just, so to answer your question, I kind of just worked my butt off and felt like this is what I should be doing and and just did it. I push back on one thing. Sometimes you got to learn certain lessons. Agreed. And so even though you might not have done everything right and you might have found other ways to make things easier, a lot of times like the journey is just as important yeah. as getting there. So that's like, you know what not to do, you know, exactly. Since you're here now. Agreed. Agreed. But that's kind of like the inevitable, like no matter right. how much planning, preparation, mentors, whatever you have. Maybe, maybe there's not. But for the majority, you're going to run into some type of totally, you know, low or high where you're like, damn. I should have learned from that. I should know better. You Trust know? me. Like, I, I found <laughs> the same thing happening with my podcast. Like, my first, I don't know, few episodes were totally trash. Yeah. Like, I've listened <laughs> to them since then, and I'm like, ah. Oh. You got to learn. That's but Yeah, that, but you got to learn. You just got to put yourself up Yeah, there. and it's dope to see that, like, a year later. You're like, damn, look at where I was, what I was doing. Look at where I am now. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's a good feeling. Um. So, let's kind of jump into something. Uh, here's a question for you. Being in Atlanta, everybody likes the Migos. They're a thing there. Mm -hmm. 
They were running around Versace, Versace, Versace. Mm -hmm. They got the little blouses. I'm, you know, towards that way where I'm like, I'd never wear that. Mm -hmm. But you have a company that's a conglomerate in the U.S. like Michael Kors by Versace. Mm -hmm. What does that do for the brand? And in turn, what does that even do for people who, you know, like Migos, that's their thing is to push a brand that now people are loving. Like for a while, I didn't see like, you know, the sun on anything or their logo. And now Mm -hmm. you start seeing it everywhere. How does a situation like, you know, a company that buys it that doesn't have the same kind of cachet affect it? Yeah, I think I think in this instance, we have to look at um, the conglomerate LVMH. Um, Louis Vuitton at Hennessy. Yeah, I was going to say for everybody that yeah, doesn't know. Yeah, so <laughs> Louis Vuitton at Hennessy. Um, they are under that umbrella company. And they're so... But they have such a strong brand identity. You don't necessarily... You don't. You won't think Louis Vuitton and Hennessy. You know, in the same sentence, or even in the same realm. Obviously, because they're they're completely different. But Moet and Hennessy, I wouldn't have immediately thought that, or I wouldn't think that if I didn't know. You know what I mean? Sure. So I think in those instances, it's really important for Versace to remain Versace, and the creative director to remain the creative creative director, and have just as much say as they did before. I think the only way that really this is going to change with Michael Kors now owning Versace and pre and last year purchasing Jimmy Choo is we're going to see the, um, so like how Michael Kors was able to get his Michael Kors, Michael by Michael Kors brand at such a good, at such a cheap price point. I think we're, that's going to be a little reflected in the quality of the Versace clothes, the quality of Jimmy Choo as well. I think that will kind of be the only difference. Um, and I've heard people say that with Jimmy Choo. They don't think it's the same as it was prior to it being owned by Michael Kors. But round of applause to Michael Kors. Like, I personally thought that he wasn't really doing anything. I mean, we all know that that was a huge wave maybe five or six years ago. I remember. But, right. But one thing a lot of people don't understand, like the Michael Kors that's in Marshalls and... Um, TJ Maxx or whatever, yeah, Yeah. that Michael Kors is is a completely different Michael Kors, or that line is different from the Michael Kors runway collection. Like it's it's a it's obviously a different quality, different price point. It's 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 different. Well, I won't say regular person. Let's say I make six figures a year. Mm -hmm. Um, I can afford certain higher end brands. I could look at Michael Kors, and you can even use our demographic. Would I necessarily think like, hey, this is somebody that I want to, you know, spend a lot of money or let me buy this Michael Kors suit, even though it's the higher end brand, because there's such a stigma Mm -hmm. that's associated with like, I guess, like his lower tier brand. I think a lot of times, um, especially just because if we kind of get on the wave of what's cool, Mm -hmm. you think that's not cool. Like, I remember growing up at a certain point, you know, Ralph Lauren Polo wasn't cool. Like nobody were wearing polo shirts. Like There was no polo symbol. Right. And then you wait years and years and years and it comes back. Now the big wave, at least in my opinion, is for you not to see kind of, you know, monograms and logos all over stuff. Like Mm -hmm. Club Monaco's popping. Like Mm -hmm. I would much rather have a Club Monaco something than I would a Ralph Lauren anything. Mm -hmm. The same Mm -hmm. company. Like most people don't know that same company. But for me, it's like, okay, I get to represent myself. I don't have to look like a walking advertisement. And so I think that's the thing that at least... If I was a person who was in the market for something like that, I would mm-hmm. fear. It's like, I just don't want to be associated. Like, yo, if I got an Armani suit, like I got an Armani suit. It's right. not Armani exchange. Like, right. you know the difference. Right, you know? there's a difference. Right, yeah. right. Like, don't get it twisted. Well, 
So I would say um, two things. If we're going to consider someone who makes around six figures and they're not like a super fashionable person where it's like, you know, I don't care. So on the contrast, someone who, maybe someone like me, where it's like, I put things together, I don't really care necessarily where it's from, because I know how I'm gonna put it together, and I know it's not gonna look, it could be from Walmart, and the way that I put it together, it's not gonna look like it's from Walmart, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, so so that's one thing, and but that's a totally different, that's a small sect of people, I would say, maybe. Um, but I get what you're saying, like with the Michael, if you make six, six figures, would you choose Michael Kors over Boss, Hugo Boss, or over another brand that doesn't have that that stigma, I guess? Um, I really, if you were to ask me, if you were to be like, hey, Nico, do you think I should get this or this? I would just base it off what it looks like. Because a Michael Kors suit obviously isn't going to look like, dang, that's Michael Kors, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's going right. to look like a nice suit. So really, to me, I guess to answer your question, I mean, I just don't see, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter? Yeah. You know? Okay. It doesn't. Not at uh, this point. And like we had kind of spoken a little earlier, like about Coach. Coach's comeback is, is crazy, I feel like. I feel like it's something that is, 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 has been in the works for a while and maybe is slow, trickling slowly, at least to maybe um, people that aren't super duper into fashion, but it's coming. Like even monog- CC, the coach monogram, even that's coming back. Even even that's okay. But but this huge logo trend is, is huge. It's been around for almost two years now and it's not really going anywhere. Because one thing we can understand is playing, um, playing on people's vanity and how that works. It works well, it sells, you know? Nah, it does. So you kind of mentioned something. Um, you can kind of take, you know, pieces from everywhere to make certain outfits to make yourself look good. Like it doesn't matter if you got it from Walmart, Target, mix and matching. Why is it that I think that women do a better job of doing that than men? Like certainly, I think I got a lot of my style living in LA. When I lived there, everything was about okay. Have on some cool denim, whatever kind of shirt you got, it doesn't matter. You can w- figure out the shoes living here everybody was again like i grew up in an era where people were wu-tang <laughs> they got these huge rugby's on that are you know 150 dollars a pop yeah. or coogee sweaters when i was kind of like in middle school people were doing all of that so it's like that was a, a thing in a wave every region has its own kind of thing but i also think that it's something cool about being able to just wear something and people are still thinking that you're fashionable yeah. you don't have to spend a billion dollars or you don't have to only wear name brands yeah. for people to really kind of get at well, yeah, no, that's definitely a point of contingency, I think, for a lot of major labels. Fast fashion, which is what they call Fashion Nova, um, Forever 21, a lot of these Instagram boutiques, they that is a bustling industry, and that is putting stores out of business, stores that have that kind of middle section. Like, I don't know if you remember BB. Mm-hmm. BB's one... Um, can't think of any other right now but but those stores who have that kind of price point where you know this is a decent design it's it's cool but the but the quality is trash like zara zara was probably zara was probably one of the the at the forefront of that that movement um not not so much like fast fashion but being able to see something on a runway mm-hmm. produce it in a very quick yeah very quick turnaround time very cheaply and push it push it push it 
So I think women are able to do it a little bit better than guys because the materials, you have less material for women's clothes. Um, it's easier to make things look a little bit more expensive or nice. Um, and it's easy to imitate, I think, than guys. Like, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I would be an authority in men's fashion. I like it. I'm, I'm trying to get into it more. But, I mean, guys have shirts and pants. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, there's not a yeah. lot there. With women, you can have on, like, an inexpensive shirt and throw on good denim and have a great outfit, um, especially if it fits you well. Um, you can throw on a really nice jacket and have like a cheap little jumper under it and be like, wow, that's a cute, well artistically put together outfit. You know, it's just, there's just so many more options. And then a lot of people do like the high to low where they'll have a Forever 21 outfit on or something like that with um, a really nice jacket and great shoes. You know what I mean? So that it's really all about putting things together in a way that works for you, that fits your body style, and that represents your style, represents who you are in a way that you can, in a way that shows your confidence. And you, yeah. No, I can rock with that. Um, would you agree that I think it's more important to kind of uh, buy clothes that fit you, kind of like the way your body is versus? let's say, just chasing after a brand? Hmm. Yes. So I pause because there's different styles, right? So there's a way that things fit your body type where it's like, okay, I'm typically a size four. And I'm a four on top and I'm a four on bottom. So I'm always going to wear a size four. But there's also like the oversized look, which is really popular nowadays, like with streetwear and things like that. So it's like, yeah, make sure that it's it, for me, it's more so what look am I going for? Am I going for something that fits my body perfectly or am I going for a specific type of look? And so that can the specific the brand can fall anywhere in between those two categories. OK, so really like baggy clothes are coming back? Yes. I saw ASAP doing that for Major. a minute. But I always looked at his style being kind of weird. Okay, like, yeah. I'm like, Rocky's kind of out there. But yeah. I didn't know it was really making a comeback. Yeah, it is. Especially with women. Huge. Because it's that mix of femininity and masculinity, mysteriousness. It's really like, like you know, everything kind of is cyclical. Like, Facts. style repeats itself. So think like Aaliyah, TLC. Okay. That whole thing's coming back. Tommy, you know. But I just got comfortable with super slim jeans being yeah. a thing for guys. Like, don't throw them away yet. Yeah, I don't, don't throw them away. I'm a I, hoarder. I have a whole room that is a closet, so I'm very. I have a close relationship with my clothes. Because I remember in like the 2000s <laughs> when we were all wearing super baggy clothes. Yeah. And for a minute, it's just like we all held on kind of as long as we could, and then we're just like, "Yo, you can't wear those right, anymore." Right. It's like around 2006, the wave started changing, yeah. so you had to get. They're more fitted than what we were used to. And yep. so, you know, we're throwing it out. Now I'm like, I'm really grown. So I can't, I can't imagine right. myself like walking around with like, you know, like some size 40 jeans just because yeah. they're baggy. And I'm like, yo, this is dope. Yeah. Or maybe my fitted hat down on my nose anymore. Like, well, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I think certain things are going to come back. <laughs> I don't know about everything. But you know what they're calling it now? They're calling it dad jeans. So it's what? not like, yeah. So it's not like, you know, um, big baggy pants like I guess it would be like I don't know what the term was it was like gangster pants I don't know I, I forget nah, I was, they were baggy jeans okay yeah, yeah but like, like but it was like a thing like 
quote unquote, you guys can't see me, I'm like air quoting, quote unquote, gangsters wore them because it sagged and it showed their boxers, which was like, a, which was like its own part of culture in hip hop. Right. So it's, it's, it, 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 um, it lends to that, but they're dadgy and so they, they sit up. But they're big and baggy, <laughs> just like dad's shoes. You know what I mean? It's Yo. all it's it's got its all it's it all has its own spin on it. That's crazy. Just a way to remarket it and sell it to you. Like, no, don't wear what you had ten years ago. Wear this now. It's <laughs> so dad's It's basically dad's a way just to sell you something new. Exactly. Um I'm a, a huge basketball fan. Like I play basketball all the time. I knew that something was changing at least for basketball fashion. When mm-hmm. I saw shorts start getting smaller and tighter, <laughs> like we grew up, you know, you had two or three different pairs of shorts on, so like it wasn't a big thing. Like they were just that big, right? right. So I go from you know shorts that are basically at my knees. I might wear like a small shirt, like that was the thing. But then once you saw your shorts get shorter, you're like, yo, like this isn't cool. Uh-huh. And I noticed it, and I, I guess I made the kind of calculation where I'd read something where Nike was like, we stopped really selling clothes. We needed to come up with another way to get people to buy clothes because a lot of times people are playing sports and playing basketball mm-hmm. and these things in the same clothes year in on year. Yeah. So, okay, here's what we're going to do. We think that you should wear, uh, like, leggings under your shorts. That became the wave. Right. I don't know if you remember that. Right, yeah, like compre- the, yeah, compressions. Right. Yeah. yeah, they're three-quarter length compression leggings for me. Right. Crazy to me, but <laughs> I got a whole bunch of pairs of them, so they're like, all right, well, what else can we sell you now that we've done this? Well, if we start shrinking your shorts, everybody's going to wear, like, the tights. Right. Like, yeah, you have seen to. that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is what you've seen where they're trying to create a lane just to kind of make people buy something. And so I guess within myself, I wonder, is it basically because it's fashionable or it looks better or is it just about a dollar or is it kind of both? I feel like it's kind of both. Um, but, like, companies like Nike and Adidas and that, they've got numbers behind that. Like, there's some – they I think – they're trying to push like there this is this is good and you should do this because of this technology. It's going to not make you sweat. You're gonna feel cooler and it's Nike tech and you know what I mean? It's like drop it and everything. Right. It's a, or drop it. Yeah, it's just a little more it's it's marketing coupled with here's the reason why. You know what I mean? And that's kind of a big thing. Um, I was in Fashion Week or I went to Fashion Week last or earlier this month, and right before I went I read an article, but also while I was there, I saw, I I read like a one pager on the industry and how it's like the most wasteful, almost, I want to say first or second, like most wasteful because of the, how much, how much cloth and how much excess that they have and that they just discard. And if you think about what they're doing, like in the manufacturer, in, in the factories, what the manufacturer is doing, just think about like what we're doing with fast fashion being such a thing where you can get t-shirts for $5 and at that price point, you're not like holding, holding on, on to, to this, you yeah. know what I mean? You're throwing it away or you're keeping it in your closet and getting storage or buying storage for when you move or whatever the case may be. So it's like that in itself is a little bit of an issue that I think needs to be addressed and eventually will be addressed. So that just kind of folds into what, you know, is so about. it's funny that you mentioned it. I read an article, I believe it was last week, um, where they were talking about, like, it's a big practice in Europe where 
they burn clothes. So a lot mm-hmm. of times, instead of saying like, okay, we're going to discount this just to kind of get rid of inventory. Yeah. Nah, we'd rather destroy it because it keeps like, you know, um, the exclusivity of like yes. our brand up. Well, the reason, another reason why they do that, and Burberry got a lot of flack for it they in did. London. Yeah, because um, counterfeit, like counterfeit, that industry is booming. And I don't, I mean, as much as we try to, the States tries to um, circumvent like China shipping and fake Supreme and all that, it's a real thing. And people really do try to get this material and remake it and sell it for a profit. So it's a little bit of like brand keeping their brand integrity. Like we don't just want anyone to be able to access our uh copywritten signature print so that makes okay. sense but there just has to be, i agree with you i don't know there has to be a better way i can't think of one like yeah i don't know what louis does so. they probably just i mean i feel like a lot of times a lot of these companies just just hold it like if you're somebody right. like louis and you're gonna have like a certain material they haven't really remixed the way like their classic stuff so if you're getting like yeah and this is probably going to make me sound weird. Yeah, if you're getting something signature and it's like their canvas. My grandmother had like, you know, a few of their canvas mm-hmm. bags. My mother had. We all know that look. Right. I don't have to sell it. So if I didn't sell it, yo, put that in the vault for a little bit. We'll yeah. bring it out in a couple of years and probably. somebody will buy it. Yeah, probably. But the leather is, is yeah, the leather's a little different. But yeah, that's probably what they do with the fabric, I would think. I mean, I don't, I've never asked. Um... Here's one thing that I, at least uh, my guy listeners will love. I know you're in the sneakers, or at least you do stuff and you cop sneakers. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I kind of, I guess, get upset by is that I feel like a lot of times people buy sneakers based on hype and less on looks. So you got to do stuff like having bots, having hookups <laughs> at, at crazy places just to get stuff. And one of the questions I was like asking you kind of offline was just yeah. like, well, yo, like, why is it that like I can't really get the sneakers that I want like without going through some kind of crazy length to get them? Like I'm not doing raffles, I'm not standing in line. Like I'm glad they don't do that anymore. Like all of these ways you got to do to basically get like the hot kicks, I don't want to do. So what do I do if that's not the way that I want to get it and I don't want to pay like a thousand dollars for you know when the Yeezy three fifties were hot? Right, um, you have to choose another shoe. <laughs> That's really just, just that. it. Like, there's literally, there is literally nothing else. Like the, um, uh, what are they called? The blazers. The off-white blazers are coming tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow. Yeah. And there's like, I can't remember the number, but I want to say like forty-five hundred being made. Forty-five thousand, I think actually. Forty-five thousand being made. Some number like that. Don't quote me. But. Um, I don't think it's, I think it's a bit of an exclusivity thing because look, they're doing this collab with Off-White, Nike's doing a collab with Off-White, like get it while you can, this is, this is what's hot, you know what I mean? We can't, we can't, we can't flush this out to the world and as a result, it's made a huge resale market which has made, you know, put a lot of money in a lot of people's pockets, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like a do, it's like a, it's, it's good and it's bad. It's good because once you get the hype shoe, you have the hype shoe and you're the cool one. But, you know, if you'd really just like tennis shoes and you want to buy a pair of tennis shoes that were retailed at 130 and now you see someone else, it's all, it's also kind of lends to like someone having Versace shoes on or Gucci shoes on. Like, dang, you have on 
the blazers that just came out they yeah, are the, the res- right the resale yeah. the off-white nike blazers that just came out the resale is like a thousand dollars you have a thousand dollar shoes on now you know what i mean i never thought of it that way where i'm thinking of how much it costs from resale yeah okay. that's what people think because not many people there's a lot of people that buy shoes and don't wear them i think i don't know the numbers obviously but i think well over at least 50% of people buy shoes to resell them or to hold on to them. Oh, I 100% think that. Yeah, because like, there's good money. There's good money in well, that. How many, how often, and I mean, you're you're out probably more in these spaces, but how often do you actually see people kind of walking around with like the off-white anything? Yeah. Other than kind of like the off-white Jordans, because it was a lot of the, uh, the Carolina blue color. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I've never really seen them. I've seen actual off-white shoes but like the collabs, right. the I don't really see those often. Yeah, you're like not. I think that's like if you're a celebrity or you have like a lot of throwaway money or you're a drug dealer or something, you might have those and kind of walk around with them. But like regular people, I go out still every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Never see people walking. Yeah, around. it's also like if you think about it, those shoes like the Blazers, like I said, that are just coming out. Um, if they're worth resale $900,000 probably not going to really wear them that much you know what I mean right so that's that that's that's one aspect but once you wore them once you can't wear them anymore because they're on Instagram yeah like if somebody snapped a photo of you they're done I hate that I hate that but that's how we think that is how we think that's not realistic there's a lot of things that millennials and and people do that just isn't realistic it's just dumb like that doesn't equate to anything if i wear the same shoes every day on instagram what does that mean nothing nothing it wears <laughs> just it meant, means yeah, i just, wear the same yeah shoes i was gonna say it, meant, it went with your outfit. <laughs> you know what i mean right it's i and what if i just put them on just to wear just to take a picture on instagram just to prove a point you know what i mean it's like people uh, i feel like you should start a thing with that see yeah thing. we I'm thought about something go. i feel like you should start <laughs> a thing with that like that. here's a piece that i like I got it on every day. Well, right, but doesn't matter mean? what it is. Yeah, exactly. what, are you, what are you gonna tell me? Exactly. You so, clearly know that I got stuff. Like, what's up? Yeah, exactly. So, so with that, going back to what you're saying, it's like people. I I think most people figured out the lane. This is the lane, the resale market, and either they're holding on to them because that's really smart to do as well. Like, they're never after. I honestly believe this Nike Off White collab. After these ten, I think he may make. I think it's rumored. Yeah, and I think it's rumored to do some more. I can't remember how many. But after this, like, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think they're gonna remake those ten that they made from last year to this year. I don't think that that's gonna happen. Now, I think it won't because they everybody's into the whole capsule collection thing. Yeah. You know, where it's like we do a limited run. Once it's done, it's done. Right. That means a few years later, if it's still something that people like, they're still going to pay top dollar to get it. Right. See, my only thing is like with Nike, like Nike knows what these are reselling for. Why is their price point 130? You know what I mean? Why is their price point so low? And then they're making a limited amount. It just doesn't really make sense to me. I don't know why they don't up the price so that the resale, they cut the resale market out a little bit because they're not... Maybe they are benefiting from the resale market. I don't know, but I, I I don't see how that makes sense for them. Agree. Like I you look know? at the same thing with like concert tickets. You want to buy t- tickets to go see Beyonce. If you didn't log in at ten o'clock as soon as they go on sale on Ticketmaster, you're usually screwed to get right. good seats. You can't tell me Beyonce can't sell a you know a thousand dollar ticket if she wanted to to most people that were gonna buy it. Right. Most of my friends ended up buying like the expensive tickets because that's all they had. It's like right. you're paying five something and up a pop. Why can't they just go out the gate selling that? Now you have like the resellers that are coming in. Okay, 
we got these for 150 we'll sell them to you for 350 yeah. plus whatever the you know the market from their their ticket cost cost yeah i don't know that's a question to ask. Like, right, there's probably some kind of market research that says, you know, we don't want to alienate our our consumers by selling something that's too much. There's but definitely numbers behind it. That's what we know. Nike's <laughs> the best marketing company in the world. So yeah. I assume all of that has to do with that. And this is probably just something to kind of keep you in the brand. Like, because for me, I look at it, and I don't know if you were familiar with the LeBron watch, where mm-hmm. he had all of, like, the different LeBron sneakers last year, and they would come in, like, weird kind of, and I won't say collabs, but, like, they were kind of renditions that were kind of crazy. So okay. uh, if you remember like the Griffies from like the 90, it was basically like a LeBron 15 that was like shaped like a Griffey okay. or the Deion Sanders. And they mixed all of these like silhouettes together and okay. people were loving them. And so, oh, they were. Yeah. So what Nike did was they were like, okay, we're not going to tell you when we're going to drop these. LeBron's going to have a game. Oh. The minute that he has a game, we just, we drop it on the sneakers app. That's dope. People were killing themselves to get it really? I, again yeah i don't know anybody that bought them like and i'm not gonna front like i, I went after a few pairs uh-huh. i don't even like lebron sneakers but i was like yo like <laughs> the hype got right. me yeah so like yes, yes, now i see myself right, clicking yeah. these buttons like all right i got this you know credit authorization hoping it goes through only for it to get denied mm. like every time so mm-hmm. it's like i feel like it creates something and i'm like all right well i didn't get this with this brand i'll buy something else instead okay. and i think that's where they're making a killing from yeah i like that well well yeah it's it's I like that point. It's branding. Like, I want this. Everyone's talking about this. So I can't get this. I'm in the store or I walk past the store or I need this. I'm going to go here. Because this was, yeah. Yeah. Because this was in my mind. This is what everyone's talking about. Yeah, that's probably it. Low key. It's the only thing I can think of that makes sense. Like, they're going to get you with something. Yeah. And the average person isn't going to spend for retail five six hundred bucks on a pair of sneakers yeah to be honest like that is kind of a new way for me i never was a sneaker girl for real like i call them tennis shoes i don't know if that's a no it's a, that's a dc thing, thing. no oh, okay. if you're from dc you call them tennis shoes okay if you're from everywhere else well i'll say up north, north New York. yeah yeah they're definitely sneakers <laughs> you say tennis shoes too uh, okay yeah. but yeah i mean I, it wasn't like a thing for me. It was just something, I, and I and I feel like it's a huge wave, and it's captured people that weren't originally quote unquote sneakerheads from five ten years ago with the whole streetwear trend. Like that is that's huge right now. People are looking. People want to be comfortable, and that's what's most important. They want to look good and be comfortable. And then reminisce to the nineties and eighties when yeah, yeah, they can't let that go. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. How do you feel about the whole distressed look for stuff? And not that I'm hating on it, because I like I got jeans that are you know ripped up. Mm-hmm. Um, I read an article from it might have been in the Wall Street Journal or something, and they were talking about Golden Goose Deluxe. So they were like, oh, yes, yeah. Good. So they were like, they got these sneakers. There was this big deal because basically it looked like they taped the front of the shoe to keep yeah. it together, and that was their thing. Like, yo, we got this six hundred dollar shoe. Right. It looks like a pair of shoes from somebody that's poor, but we're saying this is hot. Yeah, what's so interesting about Golden Goose is I liked Golden Goose like five years ago. Um, it's it's an overseas brand. I can't remember where it's from, but it's very like they've always had that aesthetic where it's just like a tattered shoe for. And I, from what I recall, they were like three hundred, four hundred dollars. So now Golden Goose has this big, huge wave, and everyone's buying them and wearing them. And they're like $600. I'm like, dang, I should have got shoes like two years ago. And that's the same thing that happened with Chloe before the, like, the trapeze bag came out and everyone was wearing it. And they had all this, um, 
hoopla around them. But I think that I... I can get behind the distress look, honestly. I get what um, I get. I read the same article, and I, I get what they're saying. Like the, it's almost like they're um, kind of glorifying poverty. Like, right. oh, this is cool. Like, you know, don't be poor, but just look poor. You know what I mean? Right. It's cool. Get on board. Give us your six hundred dollars. But I mean, it's the same thing that people would say with distressed jeans back in the day. You know, like jeans that yeah, just my mom looked, would not have worn these. Yeah, yeah like jeans that look like they just looked horrible. Like you just got them out the trash. You know, and that's the thing. It's just a new wave. It's just a new way for people to spend their money. I don't like that that tape on it look. That's just as dumb. It doesn't even make sense. Yo, that, when I saw that, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. It doesn't me. even look cute. They, and they sold them in Nordstrom. Yeah. yeah. And then it was like such a huge backlash. I don't know if it, like they officially sold out or Nordstrom was like, nah, we gotta pull They these. probably we, pulled them. Yeah. That's happened quite a bit, like with H&M, you know, that whole scandal with the coolest monkey in the jungle. You know, I, I didn't have a problem with that. Why? Because it wasn't American. If it was an American ad, it would have been different. But because it was like, I think it was, I don't. But overseas, okay, we don't have to get into it. No, <laughs> no, overseas, no, no, no. You, I mean, overseas, I get it. Like, if in they still countries, refer yeah. to black people as monkeys, right? If the mo- yeah, if the mom would have really like lost her shit and you know kind of went in, I would have felt worse about it. But once that, and she was just like, yo, like I didn't see a problem with it. I'm like, oh, maybe. It was stupid and insensitive. Mm-hmm. I can cop to that. I don't think that it was intentionally racist. No, I don't think they're that stupid. I don't think it was intentionally racist, but they had a team of people on set and someone had the wherewithal to be like, this doesn't make sense. No, you this know what that isn't going to translate there, were well. no, there was no diversity in it. I think that's the problem. And Probably. so that one, it was just like, everybody's like, yo, the kid looks good. This is fine. This is great. And they just went with it and not thinking like, eh, I don't know, bruh. But what That's... about the contrast with the little white boy that was the king of the jungle? Yeah, that was trash. I, I can't like how, that. Like, yeah, that, that was like, trash. You knew. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like that was trash. You can't just, defend that. I, I don't know. I guess like, the Tarzan effect. Like, you know, Tarzan's like this white person fighting all of the savages who happen right. to be like darker. The, and you're like, the white savior. Yeah, like, eh. Yeah, but also another store that did that, that had to pull a collection or club that they did was Revolve. And Revolve is like a huge, huge online fashion house. Like their story is incredible. But they had they partnered with um, this model, Paloma, I think is her name. Um, and she's a plus size model. And right now you understand like the climate that we're in, not with just like equal pay, but diversity and embracing diversity and equality for black white skinny tall fat small whatever you know what i mean right so paloma is a plus size model and under her comments as you can imagine there's people that troll and just say hurtful hateful things like they do to most people that are famous because people have nothing better to do with their time i guess so they were taking like comments from her um, comment section and putting them on shirts but what they did was they took like in extremely insensitive comments like being fat is just an excuse or something like that and putting it on skinny models. You know what I mean? Like how did that not connect? So you see like this shirt that says you being fat isn't an excuse and then under it it's like said to Paloma or whatever. It's like that just didn't work and they got huge backlash on that. That's right. All bad. They actually wrote, they actually made, wow. Yeah. And it was like a collection. 
<laughs> that just had a lot of hateful, th- fat shaming things. <laughs> um, last question before I get you out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen a wave of brands that when I was younger, um, probably were never worn by black people and I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Uh, you see stuff like Vans. You see mm-hmm. people getting in kind of to the whole skateboard vibe and so wearing crazy. these kind of things. Yeah. Like, how did that even become a thing? Like, yeah. and I'm sure some celebrity hopped on a wave because I remember Wayne was on stuff like this a long time ago. Right. But look how long it took for that to literally take off. Right. Yeah. You know, a lot of what we do, when I say we, I mean, like, just people who are normal lay people who aren't celebrities, who don't have, like, a huge fashion team around them or anything we look for inspiration and we see things either in music videos on our favorite celebrity online when we're just scrolling instagram on magazines hype beast high snobiety whatever and that really has such a huge influence and, and then so you have one friend that's a little in tune with fashion and sees oh, okay Vans are cool. Vans are like, vans are a thing. People like it. It's a $50 shoe or six, whatever, how much, $60 shoe. And people are, are, are wearing it like, you know, it's $500 or whatever the case may be. So I really just think it's emulation. It's, it's what we see and what, who we like, who we look up to for inspiration or, or who deems something as cute or cool. And then we just go with it. That's what we got to learn how to control. Yeah. Who thinks what's in. Yeah, I mean, but it's like, can you control it? It's all about pleasing. That's the same thing with social media. A lot of what we do and post on social media, most people, I feel like, is to please. You know what I mean? Whether it's what you're saying, what you're wearing, what you're doing. Yeah, you may just do it. You may be doing it regardless. Um, but a lot of times I feel like you're pushing that message out there so you can please someone so someone will notice or someone will admire or like. I was going to say, is it more about pleasing others or more about getting recognition for whatever it is that you're trying to sell? Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Okay. I, th- I think there's different, I think it reaches people in different ways. It, some people it's just like pleasing like, oh, I want you to, I want you to like what I'm doing so that you follow me. I want to meet you on this level and so that you will follow me so that you'll tell your friends about me, you know, if you're doing it for business purposes or even just regular people. I'm deciding to put this message out there on fate. Like, let's, let's go back to Facebook back in the day. I'm deciding to put this picture, this message out there. However bad things may be, I'm going to put this out there just for blank and okay. blank. Usually it isn't just I walked down the street and thought like. I'm just gonna post a picture. It's like there's something <laughs> behind it. You know what I mean? Yeah, before Instagram got popular. Yeah. Go figure. That's just my opinion though. Nah, I I can appreciate that. Um, any last words? Um, no. I mean, other than Yeah, I was gonna say, please tell people where to find yeah, you. My info. Check you out. Um, on Instagram, I'm Nika Oshun. That's spelled N N. E-K-A-O-S-H-U-N, I think. Sorry, my real name is spelled Nika, N-N-E-K-A, but okay, no, it's with I. N-N-I-K-A-O-S-H-U-N, and privately... 
why the uh, the last name? How'd you come up with the ocean? Uh-huh. Um, it's just this. It's, it's the definition. It's the meaning behind ocean. Okay. Um, yeah, I could go into that, but so Nika Ocean, um, privately sampled on Instagram, on Facebook, and Twitter is P sampled, and privately sampled is also on YouTube. So privately sampled on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. P sampled on Insta on Twitter, and then Nika Ocean is my personal page. And what are you giving them on YouTube? Is everybody's visual? Yeah, on YouTube I share styling tips, shopping tips, um, a little bit of saving tips. I haven't done too many videos on that. It's really just like my go-to's, kind of easy thing, easy ways to put outfits together, trends. Um, it's more geared towards women. Uh, we didn't talk about this, but originally privately sampled was, um, or it still is, but I'm working, I'm still working on the back end of it. It's a shopping platform and it's affiliate based, so we don't actually own any, any of the inventory. We just work with designer stores and house the data on the site so that my followers and my audience can shop certain designer items. Um, so that um, that's women and men, but privately sampled the YouTube series is mostly geared towards women yeah I was gonna say I don't think you're gonna be rocking something for us no but I do wear men's clothes but not not that a man could <laughs> I'm not gonna that. yeah, yeah I'm not gonna be like I don't know what you'd do with I saw it like you can have this I rocked it I right <laughs> probably won't work out for me I like how you wore that I'm gonna try it <laughs> I hope it looks the same yeah <laughs> Yo, I really want to thank you for coming on to this episode Absolutely. with me. Um, this was dope. Uh, obviously, anytime that I can kind of like steer people towards like something that you're doing, I have no problem doing it because I think do. you're really cool. Um, I like the movement. I really respect that stuff. And I like the story, thank first you. and foremost. Um, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Being but, stuck in corporate America, it's like, I'd love to get out. Right. I don't have this, the courage that you had where you were just like, let me let it go and do me. Yeah. To be honest with you, there's more to that story. Like, I had things that I could kind of like fall back on. But for the gist of it, like, that's what... Yeah, which, the gist of it is, yeah. Yeah. That's the first thing you kind of need. You yeah, know? you, you and Will Smith, that. you jumped off the, yeah, the helicopter. You got to do it. I think everyone has it in it. So I bet you'll do it. Eventually. I know you will. Eventually. I got the vibe. Okay, well, good. (laughs) Thank you so much, Raul. It was great meeting you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I guess I will see you guys next week. Um, I end every episode by saying ball players want to rap, rappers want to ball, and I just want a podcast. This is Darrell, and we're out.